Support for the Bronx Bomber Babble podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Really happy to be working with such a great company who have really revolutionized the shaving below the waist game. Guys, we've all been there. Shaving down low has always been a pain, but not anymore with the new Manscaped 3.0 lawnmower. I just got mine last week and wow, I've never felt better down there. It's a waterproof razor so you could use it in the shower and it also has an LED flashlight which really is a game changer because it gives you a great view at what you're shaving and it helps you avoid those annoying nicks and cuts. Manscaped is an amazing company and we want you to try it. Now you can get 20% off and free shipping when you use the code BABBLE at checkout. So visit manscaped.com and get 20% off your order plus free shipping when you use the code BABBLE. That's B-A-B-B-L-E, BABBLE. Manscaped, your balls will thank you. We are live for the 73rd episode of the Bronx Palmer Bible Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Luz Luigi. And tonight, it's me, it's Andrew, and it's G. How are we doing, fellas? What's up? What's going on, man? Well, honestly, absolutely nothing. Uh, we got some, some pretty big MLB news last night. Obviously, nothing to do with the Yankees. Um, Blake Snell. And you, Darvish, both headed to San Diego. So I guess the Padres just looked at the rest of the MLB and said, well, if you guys aren't going to do anything, I, I guess we will. Um, they're looking like they're about to be a real powerhouse. Obviously, still in the same division as the Dodgers. So still probably won't win the division. But got to love when you see a team go for it and get two really good starting pitchers. But yeah, we're going to get into that. We're going to get into how the Rays seem to be just kind of giving away some of their best pitchers, right? They lose. Now that's three really good pitchers they've lost because there was another trade where they lost another bullpen arm, but we'll get it all into that. Um, Gary Sanchez, there was an article about him with Marley Rivera that wasn't great. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> he uh, kind of threw his, uh, threw his teammates under the bus a little bit, was kind of mad at the lack of communication. When he was sat in the postseason. Um, yeah, we'll get into that. And some departures. Obviously, Tommy Canely, no longer with the Yankees, signs with the Dodgers on a two-year deal. Um, he'll pretty much be out all next year because of Tommy John. But still a tough loss. Hate to see Tommy go. But, guys, how was your holiday? How was Christmas? Pretty, pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Nothing going on. Yeah, I was gonna say the the Yankees haven't done anything since um, since Literally we did the last potting until uh, you know except for resign Adam Warren. So you know, I guess things could be better. <laughs> okay, so not literally nothing, but whatever is the step above literally nothing, that's what the Yankees have done since our last pod. Yeah, it's it's Nestor Cortez. The disrespect. I think they did that before our last pod. I can't remember though. My, my well, my, he announced it way before the team did. Yeah, he announced on like Instagram, like I. I want to say he announced on Instagram like the night of our pod or after. Yeah, it was at least sure. two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that happened. But, yeah, really just not a whole lot going on at all. Um, up until last night where all of a sudden, right after the uh, football game, 
it the bomb turns out falling. <laughs> it turns out that Blake Snell, who remember we heard in the beginning of the off season, because obviously we all remember how the regular or how not the regular how the MLB season ended with Blake Snell being pulled, pitching a gem fifth inning um, in the World Series, and obviously the Rays go on to lose that game. And he kind of voiced his displeasure, right? He clearly was not happy about that. And you kind of, at that point, you kind of heard some rumblings of, ooh, they might try to move him, like uh, he, his contract, he's making you know, too much money for the Rays. But that kind of died down, right? You hadn't really heard a whole lot of that in the last few weeks. And I don't know, really something I, most people hadn't even thought of that, yeah, like, okay, he's probably not getting moved, right? But, nope, last night, all of a sudden, it turns out the Padres got him. Man, they gave up a damn good pitching prospect for Blake Snell, plus a couple other guys, and, yeah, uh, guys, what do we think of this? I mean, the Rays just, obviously, going into the season, with if the Rays had Blake Snell, and if they had, and if they kept their team together and tried to reload, it's probably looking like a toss-up between who wins the AL East, right? I mean, you could even argue the Rays would be the favorite if they had kind of brought back their full team. But, man, now without Snell, obviously Charlie Morton's gone. What do we think what the Rays are doing? On its own, all all that stuff happened, and obviously he was incredibly frustrated when he got pulled out of that game because he was pitching really well. But, like, you know, players get frustrated by these things. It's fine, like... He's under contract. If he's frustrated, the team could just go to him and be like, you're here and you're staying here. And that's that. And he can just live with it because he's under contract. I think before the Padres started doing everything, the Rays made some subsequent moves and whatnot as all these things started to play out the last couple of days. Like on its own, I would have just thought that this was like, oh, well, the Padres wanted to go for it and they initiated it. And the Rays just, you know, they came to a deal. And then the Rays made some like other subsequent moves, they made, a, I think, a three-way trade in addition to that. And, like, I was like, all right, so it's probably more of this organizational philosophy thing that they do every couple of years where you have some good players, you you, you know, they do well, they maybe sign them to a team-friendly deal and then trade them, or, you know, they have this cycle that they go through. But, like, I don't know. I know that a lot of teams are really struggling right now in terms of, like, lost revenue, but, like, if you're not going to keep a Cy Young award-winning pitcher on a $10 million a year deal, then you're just not going to keep your good players ever. No, it's definitely a poverty move, right? So the, the three-team trade you alluded to, uh, they traded Jose Alvarado uh, to, to the Phillies. The Dodgers were involved in that deal as well. But um, Alvarado was due uh, for arbitration this year, so he was going to make I mean, you know, for a middle reliever, I would say maybe – go from the league minimum to what 1.3, 1.8 million, maybe like not a s- substantial raise. I mean, substantial for him, but in terms of what that's their payroll, um, you know, it's not going to move the needle all that much, but they traded him. Obviously we knew that Snell's higher paying years were due to kick in right about now. And that's why the trade talks was on the table in the first place. There's been rumors that they're looking to potentially move Kevin Kiermeyer, who I think at this point is probably their longest tenured player. Um, Please correct me if I'm there's someone I'm, I'm missing yeah, there, but that sounds about right. Yeah, it's just like any single person on their on their team that is due to make any form of money, they dish them out. I mean, look 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 what they did last year. Right? They they went out and they got Tommy Pham. He played really well for them, and they immediately traded him to San Diego. It just feels like they will do whatever it takes to maximize value for as 
minimal cost as possible. And credit to them because, you know, they smoked our ass in the playoffs. And a lot of the guys they got back, particularly in the Snell deal, uh, I'm not as high uh, on on their uh, on some of the other trades they've made and, you know, the, the minor signs like you know, Kevin Smith and whatnot. But, you know, what they got back from the Padres in – in the Snell deal is definitely going to improve their roster, you know, in two, three years. And those guys are going to be thorn in our sides. Uh, So you really, who the hell are we to tell them that what they're doing doesn't work because they continually trade away their best players and still win. But it's just a pure poverty franchise move. Um, It's not even like they're, they're trying to keep, you know, their payroll under a hundred million dollars because they don't have that kind of, but they're, they're they're keeping their payroll below fifty million. So yeah, I was about to say it's been, just it would have been under hundred million even if they would have brought these guys back, most likely. You know, yeah, yeah, I, I think they were at like fifty eight. If yeah. they played a full season last year, I think with the the prorated portion of the season, they their, their total salary was <laughs> what like twenty four million. I mean, there was that article that came out that major league salaries dipped like well, like two billion dollars. Obviously, the fact that sixty five percent of the season was cut out played most of the role in there, but. Uh, I mean, they, I mean, you saw the, what the payrolls of the team. I mean, the top payroll in baseball is the Dodgers, and they were under 100 million just because of the COVID impacts. Um, so you can only imagine what the Rays paid last year. But this is what they do, right? They consistently trade away all their best players as soon as they're set to make money. And it doesn't doesn't make any sense from a baseball standpoint. But the trades they make, they always get back talent and. I'm just sitting here waiting for that well to run dry when they go out and they get someone and it totally busts, but to their credit, it hasn't yet. So I guess good on them. Yeah, no, I was about to say, it really does seem like when they get a top prospect, that top prospect usually pans out. It's every time. Yeah. And this kid, look, this kid, Patino, he's apparently sits at 97 tops out at a hundred wipeout slider. He's apparently really damn good. And, like I was saying before the show, like we, he, I think he's 21, I believe. We could be seeing him by the end of next season, right, or the beginning of 2022. He could be in the Rays rotation. Like who knows? Because look, do you look at the Rays rotation? Like right now, they got they got a uh, Michael Waka, who, knowing the Rays, will probably just turn back the clock. Um, obviously, they have Glass now. Like their rotation is kind of looking a bit thin. So. Yeah, who knows? Maybe we might see this kid sooner than we hoped to. Because, um, look, Snell really never did well against the Yankees. Like, I, I always remember his Cy Young year. Like, his only bad starts that entire year were against the Yankees. But, yeah, like, Snell made them a lot, a much better team. And, man, it, they would have probably been, like, I'm not sure if they, they were the AL East favorites with Snell. It would have been was probably really close with them versus us. But man, now like you look at this Rays team and look, they still have a really good deep bullpen. They're still going to be a thorn in our sides. They're still probably going to win 85, 90 games, but man, they went from one of the, probably the best team in the AL to just maybe they make the playoffs. I mean, who knows the expanded playoffs. It's probably going to be a lot easier, but you just, uh, I really, I really just don't understand. Like, you make the world series. Like at the end of the day, like you setting up for the future and this is what the rays do and it's worked out for them. But man, like you make the world series and you just don't even, you just get rid of your best pitcher. I just, I don't get it. I really don't. This is why I hate expanded playoffs, honestly, for this year in Mm -hmm. particular, just because all the teams are are crying poor. They're using, you know, 
2020 COVID impacted season, our financials are a mess, blah, blah, blah. And you're using it as, as an excuse to do the complete opposite of what we saw the Padres do this weekend and actually go out and improve their roster. They're saying, we don't have the money. We can't do anything. Um, knowing that, oh, well, there'll be extra playoff spots. So we don't have to do much to improve our roster. We'll probably just get it anyway. Um, it, it, it really hinders the market this year. I get, you know, it improves the trade deadline. You have more teams in contention, more teams willing to go for it. If they're lingering in July, sure. But right now it's really a big burden on the market. And I think MLB needs clarity. From everything we've heard, it seems like they're going to go ahead with that MLB expansion. Uh, it's going to be the, what, the 14-team playoff, which is basically the exact same structure that the NFL has this year. Number one seeds get a buy. Everyone else plays wild card series. Uh, that creates extra opportunities for middle ground teams to get in. And if you are in a financial crisis right now, there's a window for you to do nothing this offseason and still s- sneak in. Uh, and I think the Rays are absolutely taking advantage of that right now. I think they know the core of their their lineup uh, and their pitching staff. They can still do enough damage to maybe sneak in as a 6 seven seed, and then all bets are off once you get in. See, I would love to know, like, where this all ends, though. Like, maybe this particular round of moves was, like, brought up upon because they lost X amount of money and you know, they had a really tough time with COVID and revenue loss and whatever. But, like, you can't even say that, like, it's not the first time they do it. They do it every single year, every couple of years. So, like, you know, they have other players on their team that are arbitration eligible who might get raises. G-Man Choi's made a million and whatever, uh, like $1.8 million last year. You know, hit some home runs in the playoffs. He got, you know, Garrett Cole a few times throughout the season, like, is $1.8 yeah, just, million. just a few times. Just a few. <laughs> yeah, is $1.8 million too much? Like, Tyler Glasnow made $4 million. He's arbitration eligible. Like, is $4 million too much? He's, like, their best pitcher. Like, it's just, I don't know. Like, it's like what you said, Andrew. They might just be, like, fucking around because they think that they can run a bunch of, like, 22- and 23-year-olds who still need to, like, cut their teeth and get experience and, like, sneak into the playoffs as, like, whatever, a six seed. Like It's going to be interesting to see if all those guys in their bullpen, it's going to be interesting to see if they try to make <laughs> one of those guys a starter or if they just keep, uh, you know, bringing in veteran guys and just, you know, fill it. With, uh, I think Yarbrough will almost for sure be in the rotation. Like, he's already gotten a good amount of starts over the last few years. I think they'll have him in the rotation. But, yeah, like that – Look, their pitching staff as a whole, it's still going to be pretty good. But I'm really not like last year, like that, that pitching staff was scary. Without Snell, without Morin, it's really not scary. Like you need those, you need those, that one or two, those one or two guys who are going to be your, you know, primetime pitchers. And look, Glass now has great stuff. And there's times where Glass now literally looks like the greatest pitcher who's ever lived. But I mean, he really hasn't put up the numbers. You know, to be considered an ace or even like just a good number one or two. Glass now has a lot to prove. So, yeah, I don't know. This this really could backfire for the Rays. Um, one last payroll note, by the way. Kevin Kiermaier is due to make like twelve million dollars next year. So, I oh mean, my god, that's that's way too much money. He's like, <laughs> they might just they might just cut him and be like, we we don't even want anything for him. Just get rid of him. Um, can we? T- I mean, look, the Padres obviously they get you Darvish too for. Basically, just three or four prospects who are all. I mean, one of the prospects in the U Darvis trade is 17. Really makes you feel old. Like, okay, we're just trading like kids who should be in high school now. Like, all right, I guess that's what we're doing. But look, the Padres get 
Snell and Darvish, right? Two really damn good pitchers to add to an already pretty good rotation. And they didn't even give up their best pitching prospect. That's what that's what amazes me. Like if you would have told me, like, okay, the Padres are gonna make two trades and they're gonna get Snell and Darvish, I would right away and the first thing I think of was like, okay, they're well Gore Mackenzie Gore is probably going to Tampa, right? Like that's that's what they're probably gonna have to give up to get him, but they don't. And obviously they still give up their sec they're basically their second best pitching prospect. But I mean Mackenzie Gore is considered <clears throat> the premier pitching prospect in base in all baseball so to be able to hold on to that guy and get two premier pitchers is just outstanding it's really just an outstanding job by that front office yeah and it the, feels a lot like he doesn't even have like a spot in the rotation because their rotation's so stacked right obviously clevenger's out this year but he'll be back next year like they have like their rotation is just absolutely stacked that's a scary team man yeah it feels a lot like what we did I want to say 27, probably 2017 and 2018, uh, when the Yankees were, you know, just creeping their way into, um, you know, playoff consideration. 2017, obviously 2018, they were one of the favorites, but uh, Cashman would go out and make some trades. And every single time it was, oh my God, we didn't trade Glaber. We didn't trade Clint. We didn't trade Justice Sheffield. We didn't trade Chance Adams. Um, I mean, that's what the Padres did right now. Right? All, the, all the top prospects in their system, um, they went out and got premier talent and still held on to some of the guys that all the fan base wanted to hold on to. Um, I mean, credit for them. And and Preller, I mean, I don't know what he's doing there. They obviously had one of the deepest farm systems to begin with, so they had a lot to deal from. But for him to hold on to a guy like Mackenzie Gore, who uh, I don't have to top my head, but I'm willing to say I think he's like number seven overall, right, MLB Pipeline top 100. Um, so they have him, right? And then you have Snell and, and Darvish they got. Both are on multi-year contracts. So when Clevenger's back in 2022 – he slots in along with those guys, and that ro- rotation is I, – I, I would you would have to argue is probably the best in baseball, but we'll see where we are one year from now. But um, god damn, man, like good on them. And in a league where players have been – or teams have been waving or non-tendering or just like dumping players who deserve to be on rosters, like you know quality players, the Padres went out and added like $34 million of payroll in one day. Yeah, they there was a good day to be a San Diego Padres fan <laughs> yesterday. I'll tell you that. Um, yeah, I just looked. Mackenzie Gore, number three overall prospect. Yeah, sorry, I was just saying. I looked it up. I said seven. <laughs> he's he's three. <laughs> yeah, way to try to step on my toes there, Andrew. What the hell, man? Um, and what was the um? I can't. I, I'm going to butcher his name. What was the other the player that they signed? They came to an agreement with, even if it's oh, not. Oh, Hassan Kim. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. which mm-hmm. actually, right. I guess it can lead us into our our next segment if this is where we want to go, but. Kim was also a favorite target of the Toronto Blue Jays. Toronto Blue Jays, probably our biggest competitor right now for DJ LeMahieu. So the guy they wanted, or one of the guys they wanted, is off the table. Where are they going to pivot? Not great news for us. Yeah. Um, that, this will be our quick DJ update. Uh, still isn't signed. Still haven't heard anything. Apparently he's talking to the Blue Jays, Dodgers. Even the Mets got involved, apparently, in talking to DJ. But, yeah, as of now... Nothing, nothing, but yeah. Um, so that'll be it with the uh, Padres. Uh, great day for them getting two great pitchers, keeping their best prospect. Hats off, uh, Rays. Must be nice, must yeah. be nice to have a yeah. team that just I mean, goes for it, right? <laughs> freaking Cuckman, right? That never tries to win. Guy sucks, fire Cuckman. Um, before we get to our next segment, shout out to our sponsor, Manscaped. Uh, 
Christmas just passed. I hope you guys used our promo code Babel to get your loved ones our the new 3.0 lawnmower. Um, guys, I, I think I've used the Manscaped product every day since they've started sponsoring us, whether it's the ball wipes, whether it's the body wash, whether it's the lawnmower. I just Manscaped has become a part of my daily routine. Dude, so we had, we talked about it last time. The body wash is incredible. Not only because it smells great, but like it just, it's just great. It, it the whole thing of it is just great. And you know, I had a family member pick up um, the weed whacker, the nose hair trimmer, and they're very, very happy with that. And then another one picked up the um, the shears, which is like the nail clipping kit. Comes with a few little tools and a nice carrying mm-hmm. bag. You know, nice little leather carrying bag, which is really, really nice. The clipper. I was actually going to ask about that because I, I had noticed. I noticed that that was one thing that I was. Considering purchasing for for myself, um, yeah. Have, have, have you gotten good reviews on the, uh, the 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 nail kit? Oh, I tried it. It works great. Yeah, and because awesome. they also have like you know the little scissors and tweezers for you know your cuticles, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it, it's pretty. And it was cool like a super ergonomic there. shape, right? Everything was stainless steel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the and the, awesome. and the carrying case is really nice too. And then I did have another friend pick up. Um, I had to the plow, which is the straight razor, which is looks it's a you know I hadn't seen it in person, but they're pretty satisfied with it. it looks like a pretty like sturdy, high quality uh, piece of machinery there. So you know I've had some reviews come in, had some you know firsthand exposure to a few of these products that we hadn't quite talked about before, and everyone is loving them. Yeah, Netscape's yeah, so- a great company, man. They really are. Go on, Andrew. What are you gonna say? No, I was just saying, yeah. If you guys are still looking for you know for for late holiday gifts, something rolling through New Year. Our promo code is, is still absolutely active, uh, and, and you know we've all had such a great experience with, with their products, uh, and, and we'd love to share that with you as well. So be sure to use our promo code to get twenty percent off. Ball wipes. <laughs> yep, yep. That's promo code Babel B A B B L E. Um, guys, there was an article that dropped um, this past week with one featuring one of uh, Gary Sanchez and. I'll start this off by just reading the title of the article, like reading the headline, and it's just a quote, and it says, I didn't know why I wasn't playing. Gary Sanchez on getting benched in the playoffs and his future with the New York Yankees. Now, obviously, I'm not going to read the whole article to you guys, but it basically just goes into, you know, Marley, you know, Marley Rivera was the writer, the ESPN writer who conducted this interview and obviously this is translated and time uh you have a translated message and it's it's on you know it's on print you really can't detect how gary was saying these things or sarcasm or tone or anything like that so you know it's tough to get the gist complete gist of it but i mean you get a pretty good idea by reading these quotes and you know basically just says that Gary was he basically says that he was kind of blindsided by being sat in the playoffs and look at like us sitting here as you know all diehard Yankee fans as guys who watch basically every game we're like what do you mean you idiot you you effing suck that's why you, you you got benched like it's obvious but I guess to him it wasn't as obvious and I think one of the things he kind of talked about was he thought it should have been better communicated to him, which I'm completely with him there. You know, he's how long has he been the, our, the New York Yankees catcher? 
Like he deserved a full explanation if he was being sat and if that was the situation, which it clearly was. But yeah, man, what what did you guys? I mean, what's what do you guys takeaways about this? Because I mean, this he was kind of it really. I really got the vibe that he was kind of you know throwing his teammates and throwing the front office under the bus a little bit, and it really just doesn't seem like that relationship between Gary and the Yankees is very good right now. Yeah. I mean, like, obviously if you watch the games and then read the title of the article, it seems like insane and ridiculous to be like, Oh, well he was hitting like crap and his defense was, you know, shaky, et cetera, et cetera. Like how could you not know? And even Michael K on Twitter had commented on something in that vein where he's like, you know, this particular era of ball players would like how, how why would you possibly need that communicated if you're playing that poorly which like you know i get why you'd say something like that but i still think it's the way that he had described it in the article was like you know they said take a few days and then a few days went by as it relates to the the playoffs you know he said you know he didn't play game 1 because Garrett Cole had been getting or uh, Kyle Higashioka was catching Garrett Cole and he even commented on that and said like, you know, the first time it was because he was getting a day off. And then the next time around he had had a few days off. And so after that, a few times he was basically just under the assumption that he wasn't going to be catching him, but like he got to the playoffs and says like, Oh, he didn't play game one because of Cole. And then he didn't, or he played game two and had a couple hits or, you know, played pretty well. And then he just didn't, he didn't play, didn't play very much thereafter. And, um, you know, I think it is on the Yankees at some point to just be like, look, you're not playing well enough and we're just going to play Kyle most of the time. And he pretty much said that all they told him was just to stay ready. And he he did say that he had had, you know, a kind of a hash it out positive conversation with Aaron Boone after the fact, which he asked for. So, I mean, good on that. And he seemed to indicate that things were on, you know, a pretty solid understanding and foundation going forward. So, like, we can all all hope for that, but you can definitely tell, you know, translator or otherwise, how frustrated he was by how everything played out, like, regardless of how he was playing. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'd like to know when this interview with Marley actually happened. I mean, we know the article just came out this week, but, I mean, if they had this conversation, like, two weeks ago. It was uh, hours I mean, after game five. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, and, and here's my thing. Like, cause he does mention um, the whole thing, like, they – she asked, like, is it disappointing not to catch Garrett Cole? And he's like, yeah, I mean, we, we, we did okay. You know, the previous outing before it was kind of permanent. Um, they didn't have a great outing. And then after that, he just – he never caught him again the rest of the year. Uh, like, I get it to that end. And I definitely agree with you, Luigi. You had said that the Yankees didn't do a good job just communicating his role to him. But, I mean, if the ace of your staff, the, the guy you just went out and spent $324 million on – um, prefers another catcher, or just even even if he doesn't prefer him, because he seemed to talk highly of Gary. If he just has better results with the other guy, then I mean, Gary's got to understand, like, look, that's my role. That's going to be my off day, right? Now, definitely, um, they they needed to communicate that better with him clearly, because he he seemed to be caught off guard. But Cashman did come out and say, like, two weeks ago, about a week before the article dropped, that Gary Sanchez is like the leader in the clubhouse for the starting catcher role. In 2021. Now, whether that was just lip service to keep him happy, I mean, I guess we won't know until spring training. But if Cashman was was serious about that and, and Boone's behind it as well, then 
Gary's got a, you know, there's a disconnect. He, he, he's not listening to the organization, continuing to have faith in him, even though 2020 didn't end the way he wanted it to, even though it seems like they may have lost faith in him. By them saying that they're still in his corner, for him to kind of go off on them in this interview is troubling. And, and I don't know what to think about that. I mean, yeah, it def- it's definitely not a great look. And I, I think he is the catcher going into next year. Like, that's all true. But, man, if it, if we, we get into, like, June, if we're going into the summer and he's hitting 180, like, they're, I, I, they're not going to put up with that. You know, like they're oh, of course getting, not. performance will always dominate. Yeah, like if we're getting bad, really bad, Gary. Like, yeah, like he, he might just be done. Like his time as a Yankee might be done before the years even. <sighs> like I think that's a real possibility, but I, I just do think like the in terms of like the disconnect, I really think it's uh, it's just kind of concerning to me that like I'm like, did is this dude really questioning why he got sacked? Because like, how many times? Like I get athletes like. Like, look, he said in the article, like, he's never in his life been sat, been benched. And I get that. You know, like, yeah, this dude's probably been the best hitter in every lineup he's ever been in. And even when he got to the MLB, he was one of the best hitters in the lineup. So he doesn't know what it feels like to just be bad, you know? And, like, a lot of pro athletes go through that. Like, it's so funny to me when, you know, so many people go, like, this guy sucks. You know, like, this athlete sucks. It's like, you realize this guy's a professional athlete. In reality, this guy was probably like the best athlete ever from his middle school and his high school and all that, right? Like this guy in his mind thinks he's the greatest athlete ever. Like that's how these guys get to these spots for the most part. So I get where Gary's coming from in terms of like, oh, well, like uh, I, I, you know, I don't know why I got benched. But it's like, dude, you have to have people in your corner or have you have to have people in your corner who aren't just yes men and people who like tell you the truth and tell you like. Yeah, dude, like you're getting benched because you strike out 40% of the time, man. You got to realize you, you're not just like bad. You're brutally bad. You're not even putting together good at bats. The analytic department is literally just they literally hate you because you don't even put the ball in play like half the time. Like he has to understand these things. And it just really seems like he doesn't. Well, here, here's an interesting quote um, that, that I took from the article. And, and, you know, make of it what you will. You can read it as an excuse or you can just view it as overwhelming confidence that this year was kind of just, you know, an outlier. Um, they asked him, are, are you saying that this chaotic year was an aberration? And he said, it wasn't just me. That 2020 thing, that wasn't me. It was a bad year and it wasn't a year. It was 60 days. Manny Ramirez once told me that players like us make their season in two months but I'm not going to make any excuses. It's time to move on and focus on next year. And, you know, so we've talked about on this podcast how, how some really, really good players struggled this year, right? You know, Christian Yelich had a really bad year. Cody Bellinger, <laughs> the, the reigning MVP, had a bad year. Javi Baez had an exceptionally bad year. So 2020 was a really odd year. And Gary Sanchez has a longer track record of inconsistency. So maybe you don't give him the same I guess you don't give him as much leeway as you would those other guys, but I'd like the confidence and he's definitely not wrong that the fact that it was only a 60 game season definitely. I mean, we've seen what Gary does, right? He'll have one month where he hits 120. He'll have a month where he hits 350 and hits, 
nine home runs. And then I'll have another month where he hits 160 again, right? And then I'll have another month where he's on the IL. So he does kind of make his his bread in a month or two of the season, make his numbers look good. And while when he's down, it definitely hurts the team. But those months that he's hot, he absolutely can carry the offense. Um, so the fact that it was a shortened season, I guess we could always wonder what he was able to do or what he would be able to do you know, had they played 160 games, but at the same time, we can't make excuses for him because he's made, he, he's had he, his tracker shows that he, he'll have stretches like this every year. And granted, he stayed healthy this season, but this was arguably his worst offensive season, despite being on the field the whole year. I mean, I definitely feel for the guy. Like, and I mean, like, I mean, you definitely can sense his frustration about a lot of things coming through, but he also didn't make like a ton of excuses. I feel like even she asked him at one point, like, you know, does the change in coaching, did the change in coaching affect you? And he said, like, you know, you know, no, it was an adjustment at times, like to get used to catching with one knee down. But like, you know, he worked really hard to improve on his framing in some of the zones. And he did, even though that, you know, might have led to a struggle in some of the other areas, like how he definitely wants to catch you know, all the pitchers, but he would respect Garrett Cole's decision if he wanted to, you know, be caught by someone else. Like, you know, the Yankee fans are very demanding, but that criticism will make him better. So he has to own it because he played poorly. Like, I, you know, respect a lot of the things he's saying. Um, but, I mean, I feel like at times, you know, this might have just been, I don't, I don't know when the interview was conducted, but like it might have just been like an airing of the grievances, tell your story. And just dump it, and now you want to move on, like because you can't, and especially with the Yankee fans, like the way that we can be as a fan base with you know the demanding, well, we want him to play better, or just dump his ass, trade him, et cetera, et cetera. Like you have to put that emotion somewhere, otherwise it can affect you. Like so, I, f- I feel like if this was just like a area grievances and move on and just get ready for next season, which will hopefully be on a more normal schedule. Then, you know, that's good and fine and everything. Um, an interesting thing that he did say was, you know, he said he talks to Marcus Timms a lot and the coaches, and that's all well and good. But he said that, you know, the um, the batting practice coach couldn't be with the team this year because of COVID. And he said the batting practice coach, uh, what is it, uh, Danilo Valiente. Valiente, yeah. Um, yeah. Someone who knew him for a long time, but, you know, wasn't able to be with them. So, I mean, I'm not sure if that would have made like a, 100 point difference in his batting average but it might have made something just in terms of like a comfort you know minor tweaks here and there kind of a thing um but i mean if that if he's able to be back with them next year maybe that'll help him a little bit just in terms of comfort level definitely an interesting question right like you wonder um not even just gary i mean like talking to daniel uh Glaber, daniel like that does this guy um did el valiente have an impact on the the lineup in a way that potentially uh, Tim's and uh, PJ Platero don't. I, I don't know. You could think that the, the primary hitting instructors um, should be the go-to guys, and even if um, the BP coach isn't around, I mean, they can fill the void. But I mean, for all we know, this guy is is Gary's go-to. Uh, I, I don't want to just say, yeah, he'll be back next year. Gary will be fine. I mean, I want to see it first, but it was an interesting comment for sure. Another, yeah, I mean, the, the article kind of ended with Gary kind of saying how, <laughs> you know, Thoreau, he's been changing. Thoreau's telling him to change things. Like he said, oh, this year was lowering the right knee, which would make me better in framing low pitches in the zone. So I got better low in the, low in the zone. 
but I got worse in other zones. So he's basically was saying how they're making him change so many things and he kind of just wants to get back to himself in 2021, which I mean, hey, man, at this point, you might as well. If you think that one of the reasons you've been so bad is because you're just changing too many things and you just got to go back to the basics and keeping it simple. I'm all for it. I think that's honestly I mean, the best yeah, thing you could do. to him on that, especially because like some players can do that where it's just like, I want to try to hit the ball more to right field. So I'm just going to work on that this off season, or I want to pull the ball or whatever. Like you have to put your knee down. You have to do all these things. Like some players can do that. Like if he's not one of those players and that's fine, but take it all and, said that he liked to go play in the Dominican League because it's a lot of high-quality players down there. It's a challenging environment where he could just get reps and play. And, um, yeah, I mean, I hope that's it. I hope he just wants to, you know, just relax a little bit and just get back to playing ball because, you know, he definitely seems like he's in his head a little bit. Rightfully so for a lot of reasons, but, I mean, still. Yep, it's going to be very interesting. It will definitely be one of the more intriguing storylines going into 2021 is – how Gary Sanchez looks and how long of a leash he'll have. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't really feel all that confident in Gary's future with the Yankees. I mean, it, I mean, how it, how can you after just reading these quotes and reading this interview and like, man, you could just you could feel the tension between these two sides. Um, but yeah, uh, other news and notes just to finish things up here. Uh, oh yeah, the, Josh Bell goes to the Nationals for, like, basically nothing. Uh, it's pretty pretty good get for the Nationals, a team that needs offense, right? Josh Bell hasn't been great over the last few years, but definitely has some potential. Definitely could be a solid bat in the middle of a lineup. So it's a good get for them. How- definitely a buy-low move for them. Oh, for I sure. Mean, if you look at Josh Bell's numbers, I want to say through probably July of 2019, uh, I mean, he looked really, really good. And then he, he didn't end – the season well and, and kind of struggled like a lot of people did in 2020 in a short year, but uh, at least through uh, the majority of the 2019 season, he looked like one of the better hitting first basemen in major league baseball. So for the nationals to get him, um, you know, for minimal prospect investment, I think there's a lot of upset there and he's definitely an improvement over, over uh, Eric Dame. So they had playing first base and, and if he can return to what he was, early in 2019. I mean, that's a, it's a huge improvement to their lineup. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. absolutely. 37 home runs and 116 RBIs in 2019. So, yeah, yeah. It could be really good for them. Um, Howie Kendrick announces his, reti- his retirement. Talk about a guy who had a really good career. I think he was fif- 15. I mean, there was a guy, Howie Kendrick was a guy that he was just around forever. Right. I mean, I mean, he was on the angels when, I mean, I was like freaking a, basically a little kid when he was on the angels. Um, so yeah, good for him. Obviously world series hero, world series champ. Yeah, guys, anything else we want to mention on the pod tonight? Um, all I want is for the Yankees to sign DJ LeMahieu. And I mean, want for to not for one day be worried. <laughs> Evergreen. Evergreen I mean, like tweets. we could at this point, like I don't think Cashman hears us. Like, we could say, like every Yankee podcast that is being recorded right now has basically been saying re-sign DJ, and it still hasn't happened. So I'm just going to assume that he doesn't hear us, and, and he doesn't care. Call me like, you know, whatever, awful or you know, doom awful. and gloom. But I'm doom just like, 
You know what, Dodgers? Fucking get it over with already. I'm like, (laughs) just do it already, because like, we all like if if that'd be big. That'd be big Kevin Durant going to the Warriors vibes if TJ signed with the uh, Dodgers. You know. Well, I mean, if he goes there, then then Justin Turner's available, right? So (laughs) great. Yeah, I I get Justin Justin Super Spreader Turner. Oh man, oh, like, I think I don't know. I just, I just don't understand why this is like a this specifically, but just in general to like, do they just not talk? Like, what? How does a negotiation take like four months? Well, like, first of all, it's only been like two months, but it feels like four months. Second of yeah. all, I agree. Third I wonder all, if it's kind of what what the Yankees did with, um, you know, back in the day, Bernie Williams, and then. Uh, more recently, uh, Derek Jeter, the last time he was a free agent, where basically they said, hey, look, man, this is what we think you're worth. This is what we're willing to get. Go out in the market. See if you can get a better offer. Please come back to us if you get a better offer and see if we'll match it because we probably will, <laughs> which is a really sh- – like, if you're willing – if we're willing to pay you more, if someone else is willing to pay you more, we'll match it. Just offer it up front. But this is kind of what they do. I think they, they played hardball with Bernie. Uh, I remember there's an old conversation where, where, where Bernie went to like George Steinbrenner. It's like, uh, so, so Boston really wants me. And he's like, no, uh, all right, fine, fine. We'll, we'll bring you back. Like, I, I don't want you to go to the goddamn Red Sox. Right. And then Cashman did the same thing with Jeter. I think what the, the giants were really interested in getting him like around 2011 or 12, whatever his last free agency was. Uh, so Yankees are probably doing the same thing with DJ. So you're like, you know what? If you can go get a hundred million from the, from the blue Jays, come back to us. We'll give you a 103, and, but like just at that point, just just go out and give them the damn deal, right? I guess if they were going to do that to like Derek Jeter, then they would do it to anyone, all, I suppose. Like all, all I'm going to say is I've seen people like st- not a not most people, but definitely a solid amount of people on social media kind of start to like as time goes on, start to be like, well, you know what? We don't even want DJ back. Like we're actually better <laughs> off like without him and. Oh my uh, I'm, God. I'm just yeah, like I'm just I, I've been firmly on re-sign DJ. Figure out the rest later. There's no way we're a better team next year. Like people, yeah, I feel like that's that's just where I, people like where it's like you send someone a text message like, oh, do you want to hang out? And they usually respond, but they don't. And then you get like ten minutes, twenty minutes, and you just start getting all up in your own head. Oh. Maybe they oh, they're can't. Maybe, maybe they're, they're hanging out with me. Maybe they're fu- like, maybe they're yeah. You're like I don't even like, want to hang out anymore. And then like they text you, just, you and you're like ah. Yeah. yeah, like you just create this <laughs> shit in your head, like which, you know, the Yankees don't leak anything meaningful ever. So like you know, we don't know if there are negotiations going on. If they you know paused it for two weeks because of holidays or whatever. Because you know it's just like all sorts of stuff that could be happening. Like yeah, I didn't expect said, anything to get announced during Christmas. That that is true. Yeah, okay. No, I mean, that being said, it's incredibly what? annoying that 84. you haven't had any news whatsoever. But still, like you know, if it, I don't know, it's just well, well, Randy Miller, who writes for um, NJ.com, uh, Bargain Record, uh, most recently reported it was four years and eighty-four million. I, I want to say that was the the most recent offer to Lemayhu, which is a little more than the four. Years in '78 or whatever the number was a couple weeks ago when we talked. So it, it, they're they're willing to go 21 million a year. Uh, wasn't there, the, the latest wasn't update? There of his, well, there wasn't wasn't there a rumor that he was asking for like five for 125? 
five for one ten, I think was was what I heard, okay. which is only a million more per year um, than what the Yankees' latest offer is, but it is an extra year. So that's definitely this is um, exactly it's the, it's back to what the Cano thing, right? Yeah, it's exactly where they're like, oh well, we offered you twenty five million dollars a year, and then it's like, well, yeah, but the Mariners offered like sixty extra million dollars, so at whatever one or two million dollars less a year, so. Yeah, honestly. and I get it for for Lemayhu that um, like with Cano, I, I figured look, you've only ever played for the Yankees. Take the damn seven year deal, and the Yankees will probably tack on two or three years on the end of it. You know, after you're done with that seven years, and you'll probably get close to what the Mariners gave you in the first place. Um, Lemayhu, it's a different story because it's a shorter deal and he's a little older, so the extra year makes a huge de- difference for him. So the Yankees have got to just cave and give him the fifth year. Like yeah. I, I get in terms of average annual value, they're if. It's not even at this point about, you know, financials and COVID impact and they don't have enough cash to give him because it's one extra year. And four years from now, their books will be balanced again. Like I promise you, there's no unless there's another, you know, crazy global disease that that changes the way we we, we function. Um, four years from now, the Yankees will have recouped from the mess of 2020. They're such a worldwide brand and they do so well with Total fan base, uh, you know, they pull what, like four million fans a year. Concessions, yeah. I mean, like they're 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 not short on eighty dollars for a well balanced meal at Yankee Stadium. <laughs> right. So, so, so down the road, they'll for sure be able to have the funds to pay him. Uh, it's just a matter of do they want to go that extra year? And I think again, we've said you, it over. You know, the thing that is like, you know, and I love Cashman. I think he's put together a, a good team. As you almost possibly could have but like if if dj were to sign somewhere else he's gonna go out there and be like the oh well we really wanted to keep him but we just couldn't come to agreement we're like dude we all know like we're not in the negotiating room but we all know if he signs with the dodgers or whoever for one year like 20 extra more like extra more million dollars then that's what it took and you weren't able to do that. Like the Yankees are supposed to be this big powerhouse thing. Like everyone's got their price limit, but you can't be like, oh well, we want to keep them. We just we just couldn't do anything more. Like that's the fans. That's the shit that drives people crazy. Yep. Yeah. At the, look at the end of the day, and we'll end with this. So many people and so many like GMs try to like overcomplicate things and try to say it. like they'll try to look at every other op- option and every other avenue. Instead of just doing the simple thing, you know, like, like, look what the Padres are doing right now. Like, like, I think I, I forget whether it was like, I forget who said this, but it was basically like, oh, the, you know, the Padres, they're, they've decided to go with the Dodgers model of just getting a bunch of really good players. And I'm like, shouldn't that be every fucking team's model? Like, what am I missing here? Like, what team isn't being like, oh, like, well, we, you know, like, we're, we're going to do this. But it really does make me think that, like, yeah, like so many teams will try to like go for cheaper options or like, oh, well, we're not going to get this guy because we're just going to get two or three of these guys. But like those two or three guys could all suck. And like just having like you need those impact game changing type players. And DJ is one of those guys. And you get a few guys on, you know, you get a few of those types of guys on your team. Guess what? You have a championship level team. Like that's how it works. Like, like just getting good players like the foundation of every championship team will always be like impact 
game-changing type players. And like when you have a guy like right on now. your team, you re-sign him. You just don't let him walk. And look, I mean, it, you, we can make the argument that the Yankees would have at least made the World Series, if not, you know, challenged the Dodgers to win it all this year um, had they they gotten past Tampa Bay. Uh, and Tampa Bay, as of right now, has gotten worse for 2020. Now we've said down the road, two three years. They're definitely going to be a really, really good team because of the prospect capital they've gotten in, in these trades. Uh, but right now, uh, you know, if, if nothing else changes, the Yankees bringing back LeMahieu would slot as probably the American League favorite. So if that's all it takes, like, what are you waiting for? And I, I mean, this is like maybe, you know, a, a further discussion for another day. But like, I feel like baseball in general you know, part of it may be perception. And I think a lot of it is very validated, like baseball more than the other sports suffers from this, where it's just like, yeah, well, we all lost money in the pandemic, probably substantial amounts that are like mind blowing, but baseball is the only sport really that's saying like, well, fuck it. We're just not going to field a good team. We're just going to sit on our hands for this year. And we're okay running like warm bodies out there on the field and just getting through the year and hoping that we make some money back before we do anything, which sucks. And that's not a way that you grow your brand or satisfy a fan base or, you know, take care of your sport if you're a commissioner. And look, like one more thing before we wrap up here. Like we do make like we always make fun of like the boomers and like the Munson Facebook and Twitter of, like, like, oh, like, if George was alive and, oh, like, what would happen to the Yankees? Like, why aren't we making big moves? And, you know, like, a lot of the things those people say and, like, believe in in turn when it comes to the Yankees is very dumb and is very dated and is very, like, well, I mean, that can't happen because of this. But a lot of what they're saying, and especially now, and especially as time goes by, is true. It, it, like, they do have a point where it's like, yeah, like... uh like if we you know don't resign DJ and kind of just have like a lackluster offseason and just sign like a bunch of league average players like these people like who say like yo like what happened to the Yankees like what like should like you know what like not that we're going to be the only team year in year out that are making big offseason moves but i mean it's impossible to see what the Padres did and as a Yankee fan who like you know is still waiting on us to resign our best player it's impossible not to feel like a little well, this sucks. You know, I remember that was us like a lot of years. Like, uh, like you know, maybe these people who say, oh, if George was alive, like maybe they have a point. You know, like, ah, I don't know. Like, I'm never going to be one of those <laughs> one of those months in uh, Yankee fans. But they, they they definitely do have a point, especially if we don't resign DJ. So, yeah, that's all I got. You guys have anything to finish up with? Sign him. OK, I'm done. <laughs> Um, just like, look, when it happens, if it happens, if it like it ever happens, we'll be on, we'll be potting about it. We'll be talking about it. But until then, we're just going to keep covering the off season, right? Uh, that'll probably be our last show of 2020 being that the new year is in a few days. Can't believe this terrible year is about to come to an end, but yeah, that'll be it for me, Luigi. For G, for Andrew. This is the Bronx Bomber Battle Podcast. Resign DJ. <laughs> <laughs>